applause rips through the lounge as the pianist finishes her song. She stands and takes her bow before leaving the stage without a word. The thunderous outbreak of adoration wakes you from your dream. Did you black out? You can't remember a single note of the music you just heard, but your body is sore from sitting, as if it's been hours. The small man with the long arms and gloved hands appears at your side. The lady wishes to speak with you, he says. He hands you a small white card. The card is blank, but he insists you take it nonetheless. You stand, legs stiff, joints popping, and follow the small long-armed man. The wolves nod at you as you pass and you swear you hear the dead mare call something out to you, but you're too far away to hear. The long-armed man swings his arms as he walks, covering what seems to be the entire length of his body, barely scraping the ground. He guides you past the side stage to an ordinary wooden door with a sign that reads, Employees Only. He gestures for you to present the blank card, and you do, wondering why it was so important for you to carry it across the room if he was just going to ask for it back anyway. Annoyed, you almost miss that the man does not slip the card through a slot in the door as you thought he would, but instead raises the card to his mouth and pushes it into his mouth. He nods, and the door opens. You step through the door, and the clamor of the lounge fades away in the sudden warmth of the carpeted hallway. The hallway is long, with no bends or turns, and only one door at the very end, and you feel no fear of ever getting lost. As you step down this hallway, a sense of dread familiarity creeps over you. Something about the warmth or the carpet or the wooden walls bare save for a faint scar of a wallpaper long torn away reminds you of a time when you were much younger. The walls would have looked huge to you then, you muse, and as you muse the walls seem to stretch and grow taller, the hallway longer, the ceiling farther away. The scar of wallpaper begins to unfold from its center, unraveling to cover more and more of the walls with its floral pattern of rotten roses. You find yourself in yet another memory. A memory of this hallway and the door at the end of it. Of your ten-year-old legs poking out from the end of your birthday pink dress, carrying you to that door with no care, with no fear. You know the door and you know the person on the other side, the pianist. You've been here before. The memory fades with ten-year-old hands reaching up toward the gnarled wooden doorknob, and you find your age-appropriate hands on the doorknob in the present time. Who's on the other side of this door? When was I here before? Why don't I wear dresses anymore? There are but a few of the thoughts in this moment before the turning of the knob and stepping through the threshold to what knowledge awaits you. The knob turns with ease and the door reveals a sad excuse for a green room. On the far side of the room is another door, presumably leading to the stage and in between these doors is an even sadder bedroom. There's a moldy couch on the wall to your right and a Murphy bed on the wall to your left, only there's no cabinet for it to retreat into. 
You question if it could even be considered a Murphy bed when you hear a voice call out to you from the vanity next to the stage door. My dear child, the pianist says, I thought that was you out there. What wicked webs have the spiders woven for us to meet on this night of all nights? She chuckles a low, slow laugh as she wipes her face of stage makeup. The vanity mirror is covered in grime, so you can't make out a face or even a hint of who this person is to you. After all this time, she says, I've waited years. The woman lets out what sounds like a low growl, and the hair on your neck stands on end. Years and years, playing away at that wretched thing. But never mind that now. Please, take a moment while I take off my face. Make yourself at home. You step further into the room, letting the door close behind you. An overwhelming urge to know who this pianist is overcomes you. Closer and closer you step to the pianist, not taking in the surroundings, the textures of this room. You fail to notice even the pictures lining the grime-covered vanity, or how most of them are of you. Welcome back to the Frightened Times, everyone. As always, I'm Haunted Henry. And I'm John. And together, we are Henry and John. And now for this week's update on the Frightened Times. Starting this week on Sunday, of course, uh, no punishment is too severe. That's right, John. No punishment is too severe for those of, those of, those of you... Who don't heed the frightened times call. Any offense, real or imagined, whatever punishment you believe you deserve, there is no end to the cruelty or pointlessness of the punishment that could, and I dare say will, be visited upon you. And this has been just an, a little PSA. The P stands for frightening service amount, announcement. Yes. Here during the frightened times. And this, of course, is Zero Credits. I forgot to say the name of the show. Oh, no. That's fine. That It is fine. Wait. I oh, will no. be punished, though. No, Henry. Not post-haste. Yeah. Well, post-post-haste. Yeah. Just pray that you get punished before the week truly begins on the official start of the week Sunday, or else God have mercy on your soul. Look, I've been in trouble with the God before, and I'll be trouble with the God again. 
Uh, I I just I don't I don't want to think about what happened last time. As a scion of pain, all I have to say is, don't be in my shoes. Oh, I thought your uh, I thought your scion of pain got hydro locked in the engine, and you had to buy a Honda of pain. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly right, John. I misspoke. As a Honda of pain, <laughs> let me tell you a thing or two about pain. It isn't good. I, uh, so have you updated all your professional designations and business cards to say Henry Honda of Pain? You, you know how bureaucracy is. It's a real hell. <laughs> bureaucracy is really one of the worst punishments you can have. Yeah, the red tape really stings and it, you can't really get it off. Uh, being sticky is the worst. So, I, uh, I know that for these... For these dark, frightened times, we we have been focusing on urban legends thus far. Thus far, you are correct. And uh, I would like to start us off with a real banger, one that I'm uh, particularly fond of in the urban legend realm. So I would like to uh, regale you with the short, but hopefully spine-crunching... Spine crinkling, crinkling, spine crinkling tale of a Julia Laguerre. A Julia Laguerre? Well, let me not stand in the way of your spine crinkling. Now, I don't know, Henry, if you're a particular fan of uh, South Carolinian urban legends of the ghost variety. Oh, mwah! South Carolinian chef kiss. South Carolina, it really breeds the ghosts tall and strong. And this is this is no different, other than the fact that, you know, that would have been poor taste to the spirit of Julia Laguerre. Let's just get into it. So this comes to us, courtesy of the South Carolina Picture Project. The Tomb of Julia Laguerre. The Presbyterian Church on Edisto Island is undeniably one of the loveliest churches in South Carolina, and possibly one of the most haunted. The congregation is said to be among the oldest of its denomination in the country, dating back to 1685. Though the church itself was built in 1831, people have been interred in the churchyard since 1797, including Julia Laguerre, who died on the island in 1852 at the age of 22. According to legend, Julia became ill with diphtheria, fell into a coma, and was later pronounced dead. The tragic death at such a young age gripped the Laguerre family, who buried her in the family mausoleum. Sadly, two years later, another death struck the family, and when the Laguerres opened the mausoleum for the burial, they made a shocking discovery. Collapsed in the corner were a pile of bones adorned in the tattered material of Julia's burial gown. Julia Laguerre had been buried alive. If you visit the tomb yourself, you will notice that no door blocks visitors from entering the family crypt. This is because for years, the enormous stone door that sealed the graves would be found open, with scratch marks on the door evident from the inside. Each time the door was found open, elders from the church would close and secure the door, only to rediscover the same eerie scene later. Today, the door rests on the ground next to the tomb, freeing Julia to finally leave her grave. So the church decided, well, I mean, if the ghost wants to get out instead of 
closing the door. We'll just let her out. Yeah, I mean, if the ghost wants out, let the ghost out. Who are we, the church, to stand in the way of this ghost? If the ghost wants to murder and haunt people, well, go right ahead. And if uh, anyone wants to visit the Laguerre Mausoleum on Adisto Island in Charleston County, South Carolina, I believe you can. That, I, I, being buried alive stories are the worst. This one is is particularly haunting to me because it is a it's a double buried alive because you are interred alive. You escape from your crypt in the mausoleum and then you are trapped in a mausoleum. And then you you have no recourse but to just slowly waste away. Yeah, I fe- I feel like I would feel like I would have unresolved issues on this waking mortal plane that would cause me to be like, "Hey, I'm going to bust open this door now that I'm a ghost lady. I feel like there would be no greater no greater impetus to become a haint than to be buried alive. Now, would that make her like a daymare or a nightmare? <laughs> I think it would make her a revenant. Oh, a revenant. Uh, but does a revenant need to have a corporeal body? I'm not entirely sure. I believe the, di- the dictionary definition of a revenant is a corpse that has come back to life. So probably just some kind of vengeful haint. Like a... What, what does haint mean? You keep using that word and it makes me laugh. I believe it just means ghost. Oh, okay. Well, what a, would she be a, a wraith or a wrath? Uh, maybe. A, I don't know what... I imagine a wraith as being kind of a warlocky, wizardy kind of ghost. Well, I, I feel like a wraith is like a vengeful ghost. I 100% called it. What? Haints are different from spirits and ghosts because haints are said to be restless spirits of the dead who, for whatever reason, have not moved on from the physical world. I feel like she would be a haint. She is uh, chiefly southern U.S., so South Carolina. Absolutely a haint. I love words. They're, they're and old words that we don't know anymore. Like Henry, Henry, Henry. Haint no two ways about it. God damn it. But great, you know, folklorish words like doula hand and, you know, the fae. All these words that... Skinwalker. God fucking damn it, John. Not again. Why would you do that? You are the worst. Okay, fine. I'll stop. I won't anymore. I no longer like words. <laughs> I won't anymore. My love of words have become a hate. Rougarou. I mean, yeah, I mean, if you want to hit close to home. Uh, sorry. Also known as the Lugaru. Uh, which one was original? Rougarou or Lugaru? The Rougarou, probably, but Lugaru is the French bastardization. <laughs> I, uh, it, you know, it's, it's crazy that uh, a lot of the Rougarous moved to uh, Australia. You know, the Rougarou outback. What? Like Subaru Oh, outback. Subaru well, That's kind of a yeah, stretch. It's yeah. really a stretch. Well, May Miss Lagrange, what was her name? Uh, Laguerre. May Miss Laguerre finally find rest in this world and the next. Stop hating that, that, that family mausoleum. Mausoleum? Yeah. Oh. It's a mausoleum. Brush those hainters off. I mean, I guess at least she wasn't buried under the earth. Yeah. But at the same time, she still died, so... Yeah, it was still effectively the same thing as being buried alive. Being buried alive is uh, one of my chief fears. Same. I, I, it's, it's all... Being buried alive is so horrifying. I think for reasons totally outside of the fact that you're going to die and suffocate alone in the dark. 
I think it's because if you're buried alive, you know people already think you're dead. Yeah. And so there, the amount of recourse there is, is literally zero. Yeah, because if you were drowning or on fire or like buried in a coffin but not presumed dead you'd be like at least maybe someone's looking for me exactly if you were lost you have to stand to reason okay people are gonna notice i'm gone and come looking for me yeah if they fucking buried you yeah you were written off you were written off and it's like all right and like (laughs) people make mistakes and usually like the outcome of that mistake's could last a day a week a month it will pass yeah people make the mistake of burying you alive <laughs> it will pass but so will your like your life it's over yeah i mean when they buried you if you're buried alive they nailed it but not quite on the day they were close and they were right but I mean, history, if you are buried alive and you wake up, and I mean, if you're buried alive, there's no way you have enough oxygen to survive uh, for even like an hour. Yeah, take that, Ryan Reynolds. Uh, but if you were buried alive, you'd uh, you'd most certainly perish while you were unconscious, or if you wake up shortly afterwards. Uh, if you If you died under there, then like, that's it. Yeah. Your memory is already that you're dead. Yeah. It's... It's so scary. And, like, unless there there was suspicious circumstances around your death, it's not like anyone's going to, like, randomly exhume you and learn that. And, I mean, the number of, like, old coffins that are uh, disinterred with scratch marks on the lids, real horrible. It, I mean, they tied bells around, like, people's fingers. Yeah, there's a little bell up there. Like, come on, man. During one of the plagues, bubonic, yeah, or TB, one of those two. Okay, I think it was TB because it was America. That would make sense. During the TB plague, uh, they would do that. They would tie bells around people's like hands, and like if it ringed, it's like, oh, they weren't dead. They (laughs) just appeared to be. Gotta get them. Here's the terrifying thing. Well, imagine you're a gravekeeper. Yeah. And you're just walking around. And you're in the distance. Ding a ding a ding a ding a ding. And you're like, oh god, gotta get over there. And then you get there and you don't hear it anymore, or you do hear it, but there's hundreds of hundreds bells. of bells. Oh shit! Which one? What's it? <laughs> now, now here's the worst thing. You go through all the trouble of digging up the the ring and bell. You take them out, and what? They got like another week. They have tuberculosis. <laughs> yeah. They got, what, a month? They're going to die again. I mean, come on. What? What's the point, right? <laughs> or, or you know, you get down there, you disinter them, and you just find, like, a rat has its foot caught on the string for the bell. <laughs> or even worse, what if it's a zombie? <laughs> it, could, it could be way worse. What if it's a Dracula? What if it's a dragon? What if it's a Dragula? <laughs> Dragula. All right, so let's move on from this... What? Miss... No, Miss Laguerre. Miss Laguerre. Yes. Those French names. I think it's French. <laughs> South Carolina. Yeah, you know. Strong French lineage. Paris of the Americas, they Presbyterian call it. Presbyterian Church, most French church of them all. Not exactly <laughs> true. We were more Scottish and... Mostly Scottish. Okay. Anyway, it spun out from Calvinism. Let's move on. Yes, please. So each week, I don't know if you've known this, John, but we've had a theme. The first week, the theme was just 
the general concept of urban legends. We talked about the ones that were near and dear to our childhood. The second week, last week, we talked about societal urban legends, ones that were based around the city and the country, Yeah, as you informed me. Mm-hmm. And this week, we move on to the future. Urban legends of the future? Well, no. See, it used to be that urban legends were tied to physical places. We talk about turbo coyotes? I'm <laughs> not talking about tur- turbo coyotes. That seems like a good future urban legend. We're not talking about future urban legends. Okay. <laughs> Let me back up. We discussed that how urban legends were tied to physical places like cities, bathroom mirrors, you know, things you can see and touch. A wonderful thing happened, John. Humanity decided to band together and create these interconnected series of computers called the Internet. Oh! You know what happens when you share information on the Internet? Uh, legends die quickly. And they spread far. Oh, no. The corpse of those (laughs) dead legends. And one of the more interesting things, we talked about the ritual, the oral history of of Bloody Mary. Mm -hmm. A ritualistic thing. That people used to tell each other to scare each other. Yes. Turns out, games like that, rituals like that, are spreading like wildfire still to this day. But through the internet? Through the internet. They originate on the internet. Oh. They spread on the internet, but they have the same sort of feel and creepiness to them, like the original Bloody Mary, Candyman those sort of ritualistic games that kids used to play. Mm -hmm. And today I want to discuss one major one. It's got a really big following. It came out six years ago. Six years ago, that would be 2012, the end of the world. The end of the world. And it it originated on Reddit, Mm -hmm. of all places. But this was a Reddit of six years ago, so it wasn't quite the weird racist bloated corpse that it is today. Yeah, it was just a weird uh, anti-woman bloated corpse with, like, pedophilia boards. You know, I didn't think about that, (laughs) but you're absolutely right. However, this comes from the community of No Sleep, one of my favorite communities. Because the first rule of No Sleep is everything posted to No Sleep is absolutely true. Okay. Without question? Without question. Everything is absolutely true. True. Well, it's nice to have some normalcy, some guarantee of factualness. And this ritual in question has become known as the Three Kings Ritual. Okay. And it was introduced in a post entitled, Please Don't Actually Try This, by Fableforge. That's the the name of the user. Oh, okay. So I'm just going to read in its entirety... But it's worth noting that we do need to follow Fable Forge's directions. Do not try this. D- disclaimer at the top. Do not actually try this. But this is what they call a recipe for the game. Uh-huh. Three Kings Ritual. Well, don't let me get in the way. Please, read the things that our listeners should not do. Hey, no sleep. Long time no see. I've been posting bits and pieces of my life here, but I find them a little boring and self-serving. 
so today I'll post a recipe instead. This is not creepypasta, and I'm writing it from a train in the New York City area. What I'm about to share with you today is one of the many relatively safe ways in which you can access a place I call the shadow side, and its effectiveness depends on how seriously you take me. Your mileage may vary, refer to the title. I won't tell you that you shouldn't be afraid of the shadow side. Chances are you've already seen it after all, and merely think it was just a recurring dream. I will tell you there is no need to be ignorantly afraid of it though. There is a difference. Ignorance fuels fear, and fear can give that place a lot of juice to run on. You have to be big on preparation if you want to try this. It's like skydiving. If getting it right on your first try is not something you're good at, then this is not for you. If you do drugs or alcohol the night of the event, you're going to have a bad time. If you're going through some serious issues in your life and are not feeling mentally or spiritually stable, or if you're doing this just to escape, you're going to have a bad time. And, and if you don't follow my instructions, particularly the multiple backups I'll give you, which trust me are there for a reason, you're going to have a really bad time. The name of this game is The Three Kings. Ingredients. A very large, empty, and quiet room, preferably without windows. If windows exist, you need to be able to cover them and ensure total darkness. Basements usually work well if they're roomy enough. A pack of candles. You'll only use one if all goes well, and a lighter. A bucket of water and a mug. A fan. Two large mirrors, like the one on your dresser. Don't worry, they won't be harmed. Or if they are, it'd be the least of your concerns. Three chairs. An alarm clock an active cell phone, don't forget to charge the battery, a loved one willing to follow rules and go along with all this madness, a small toy or dear object from your childhood. Here's the setup. Start setup around 11 p.m. Place one chair in the center of the room facing north. This is important. Place the other two chairs exactly to the left and right facing your throne. The distance between your throne and that of your queen and fool should be about the length of your arm to each side more or less. Place the two large mirrors on the queen and fool chairs left and right of you, facing you and each other. Try your best to have them stand at a 90 degree angle or else you may get more or less than three kings. If you sit on your throne facing straight ahead north, you should be able to perceive your own reflection in each of the two mirrors without actually having to turn your head nor your eyes to do so. If you see your own reflection in the corner of your eye just barely there, then you've done it right. Place the bucket of water and the mug in front of you just barely out of reach. Place the fan behind you, turn it on, don't set it to maximum power, medium or low is usually enough, leave it on. Turn off the lights, leave the door open, and go to your bedroom. Set the candles by the side of the bed next to the lighter, 
your alarm clock and your cell phone leave it charging. Set your alarm clock for 3.30 a.m. Turn off the lights and sleep while holding your power object. Get some rest. This part's called showtime. Okay. Wake up at 3.30 a.m. with your alarm clock. Turn it off, but don't turn on the light. You have exactly three minutes to light your candle, grab your cell phone, and make your way to the dark room to sit in your throne. You should be seated by 3.33 a.m. Don't forget your power object. Check for potential red flags. If your cell phone didn't charge for whatever reason, abort the mission. If the alarm didn't go off exactly at 3.30 a.m., abort the mission. If you find the dark room door closed, remember you left it open, abort the mission. If the fan is turned off, you left it on, abort the mission. If you have to abort the mission due to any, due to any of the above, leave the house with your loved one. Go to a hotel or something, there's no need to run. You have time to grab a jacket and your keys and whatnot, but leave. After 6 a.m., the coast should be clear. If all is going as planned, you can proceed and take your throne. Do not look directly at either of the two mirrors beside you. Do not let the candle go out. The fan is behind you. You must protect the candle with your body, which is standing in between. Look straight ahead at the darkness. Not at the candle, not at the mirrors, just straight ahead. Eagle-eyed readers surely noticed I didn't say during setup which chair was queen and which chair was fool. That's because it's your job to find out, and from their point of view, you are either their queen or their fool too, hence three kings. I won't spoil what happens next. Suffice to say, you won't be alone, and if you have questions, you'll get answers. Sometimes in the form of new questions, but hey, that's the story of humanity. Just stay put and try not to move. Again, do not look directly at the mares nor the candle, just straight ahead. Don't chicken out either, you need to wait until 4.34. By 4.34 it's all over. It's okay to tremble a, a little bit, just try not to. Not because it affects the ritual or anything, it's just a bad thing to do while in polite company. Did I mention not to let the candle go out? That's what the fan is for. You're protecting the candle with your body, but if, you're, if your body were to be suddenly moved, then the fan would turn off the candle. That's backup number one. Your loved one is backup number two. At 4.34, they have to come in the room and call your name. If that doesn't work, they have to call your cell phone. If that doesn't work, they have a glass of water in the bucket. They can't touch you, though. That's a newbie mistake. Backup number three is your item of power, the toy or locket or whatever object of strength you've brought along for the ride. It'll show you the way if shit hits the fan. Multiple backups. You gotta be like a boy scout if you do these things. If you half-ass it, half-ass it all the way so that it won't work. Worst you can do is take it seriously enough for it to work and not seriously enough to be prepared for the consequences. If in doubt, refer to the title. 
And that's the Three Kings ritual. I uh, don't like it. Why don't you like about it? Don't like it, don't want to do it. You don't want to do it? Don't want to do it. Uh, you're not going to like what I had planned for the rest of this episode? I'm just kidding. Oh, I was no. not planning on doing this ritual. I was going to say, we need a large windowless room, and your apartment certainly has problems, but you at least have windows. I know. Wait, what's wrong with my apartment? Uh, I Most of the time while I was reading that, I was trying to think of the logistics of actually doing that. And man, they think that millennials can get their hands on two large mirrors? What kind of privilege do they think we have? I mean, I've got one la- large mirror. You've and got, yeah. my fiancé has another large mirror, so we've got that. I don't have any chairs. If you band together, I also don't have chairs. <laughs> can they use a couch and... Two dining room chairs? Uh, maybe. I, I'm not sure how big the throne can be. I We're getting way too ahead of ourselves. Remember the title was Don't Do That. And Don't Do That We Shall. But that hasn't stopped hundreds, if not thousands of people... Oh boy. ...from attempting it themselves. And most have had some kind of experience that falls squarely into the terrifying category... As this write-up in weekendweird.com says. Ooh, very good source. Have you heard of it? I've read some articles on there. Okay, I've yeah. never heard of it before this this one event. I hadn't heard of it until I started reading articles for This Are Frightened Times. Oh, really? Huh, that's funny. It does show up a lot. Yeah, I, I don't know anything about it, but they did an extensive write-up on the Three Kings ritual... And I've got some of the results of people's attempts. I would love to hear them. Because there's a whole community around this now. And the community celebrates a bunch of different games. You might have heard of like the elevator game, the left-right game, a bunch of other different... Like there's two full posts full of different games. Oh boy. And people love this, this ritualistic stuff and it just keeps spreading and spreading. Due to the ease of the internet and, like, mm-hmm. people filming their attempts now. Oh, boy. I would love to see that. There's a video right here of an attempt that... I mean, the thumbnail looks creepy as fuck. Yeah, the, that's creepy enough in and of itself. That I don't want to click on it, and so I will not. Uh, but what I do want to do is maybe read through some of these experiences that we can weird wrote up. Yeah, please. Absolutely. All right. <clears throat> After a few minutes of nothing happening, I hear something from the darkness towards the door. It's faint singing in a language I can't understand, and the blackness turns into a mass of shadows that look like people. They're all marching from the right to the left, like they're on parade, and as they pass I can't help but feel elated. After a couple of minutes of this going on, I notice a second noise. From the chair to my right was the sound of someone writing something down. It was a scratchy sound too, like someone using one of those old quill pens. I wanted to ask what it was writing down, but I was too afraid of the answer to go through with it, especially when the room was full of moving shadows, even if they did look like they were rejoicing. The scribbling on my right ceased, and then a voice from the chair on my left spoke up. It said my name and then started listing off every good deed I'd done in my life. Big, small, valiant, accidental, all of them. Even ones I'd done when I was a little boy and forgotten about. And as the voice listed these, th- these things off, the writing on my right resumed. 
When my girlfriend called for me, both voices said goodbye. The shadows and music faded away, and I heard the chairs scrape against the wood floor. Oh boy. I uh, I didn't know that they could uh, they could commune with Santa Claus. Yeah. Is, the, is Santa Claus in the shadow side? Maybe. Oh no. Because the, the the genius of the Three Kings ritual introduction is that Fable Forge never tells you what exactly is supposed to happen. Mm-hmm. Who shows up, and if the shadow side is such a big verbose place. It's probably not even the same entities each time. And it's uh, it's really perfect in its construction because there's no anticipation of what to expect. And it also psychologically primes you because it puts you in, for the most part, a completely dark room uh, with things that you're forbidden from looking at except to look at the darkness. And you're already focusing on something which is keeping the candle lit. So it's it's really genius in how it... It robs you of your agency and your expectations and just drops you a situation where it's like, no, something's going to happen. So I can I can imagine. And also you have to wake up at 3.30 a.m., which no one does. And then you only have three minutes for your groggy brain to get in that chair surrounded by mirrors and a candle. Ugh. I know. Yeah. It, it- Whereas the games of the past, maybe you, people needed more help with their imagination to kind of show them or, or, or like pre, predispose them for what they were going to see, the games of the future kind of leave it up to chance or, or like it's more open for people's imaginations to fill in the gaps. But what it does give you is what not to do, mm-hmm. which puts in some anxiety. Some fear, like, oh, God, you know, I, I have to get these instructions right, otherwise things are going to go bad. Yeah, it, it's already, like, psychologically priming you for the idea that something could go wrong and you have no idea what it is. Exactly. I mean, imagine how effective Bloody Mary would have been if they said, walk backwards, looking into a mirror, up some stairs, chanting Bloody Mary. When you get to the top, you'll be amazed at what happens. Yes, yeah. like, like a buzz. A BuzzFeed article. You won't believe what happens next. You won't believe what happens at the top of these backwards stairs. And that's a trend with some of these these games, these rituals, like the elevator game or things like that. They give you a list of instructions and a list of warning signs of like, oh, the ritual is going wrong. Get out of there. Mm-hmm. And that gives you this, this anxiety that I... I feel like it's kind of in all of us at all times, but it's not quite to the surface because mm-hmm. everyone kind of has anxiety over doing things wrong. Yeah. And if you put the supernatural on top of that, if you layer the anxiety under the supernatural and the consequences being, you know, oh, the mares will break, but that will be the least of your worries. And you're like, what's the most of my worries? Exactly. Yeah. It's it's a perfectly tuned ritual. I think it is like a, a perfect version of the form. Period. Period. Yeah. I, I, it, it It's interesting. Because when new media, when new mediums are introduced, of course, the old things will be adapted through them. Mm-hmm. So like we invented television, storytelling adapted to the new format. We introduce the internet. The ghost story changes. Yeah, Bloody Mary no longer becomes... Well, probably when Bloody Mary was 
initially created, one of the most eerie things that you could look into was a mirror. Yeah. There, there's nothing more un, uncanny mm-hmm. than a likeness to the self. Yeah. And then for for the mediums that we create, uh, we it's really interesting because now that we have the internet, we have this really amazing, like, ideas are no longer in an echo chamber. They can, like, boil down to their most perfect versions. So the creation of the Three Kings ritual is on the backs of probably hundreds of similar rituals posted on places like Reddit and whatever else. So it's it's something that's, like, perfectly psychologically tuned to be uh, a ritual that just primes you for a freaky experience. I mean, it it's unpleasant just to read because you don't like to imagine a universe in which you're doing that. And there's a weird morbid curiosity that kind of keeps you reading. That, that keeps edging you on to be like, what's the next step of the ritual? And people write up their experiences performing the ritual. Mm-hmm. And you can kind of get sucked down this weird rabbit hole this weird morbid rabbit hole of people writing up their experiences in a community where the, the rule number one is everything written here is true. And the, the experiences that people are writing in about these are the exact same experiences of people where if you were a child in the 1800s and said, and someone said, go to a mirror in a dark bathroom and chant Bloody Mary, I saw Bloody Mary and she said this. Yeah. It is, it's just the internet version of that, but it's, uh, much bigger. It's crushed down into a diamond. And it's one of the, the slightly creepy, beautiful things about the internet in that all of these people can come together under the same guise of this ritual and game and create a community that's solely focused on perpetuating it, perpetuating the creepiness and the fear behind it, and no one's standing in the corner like, that didn't happen. Yeah, because it's, it's, a, it's a shared... I mean, I don't want to say it's a lie. The Three Kings ritual might absolutely be a thing that works. But it's a shared fantasy that is intoxicating to take part in. Which is the reason why these rituals exist. Because we love the the intoxicating feeling of propagating a ritual. Something where we have control over people's emotions through our creativity. Really, urban legends and rituals, they're a lot like art. Because you're you're exerting your will to create a fiction that makes people feel things very deeply. It's just that for scary things, it's pretty easy. Yeah. Because fear is one of the easiest things to make people feel. Because our brains want to feel fear. Because our bodies haven't evolved. And when we feel fear, that's our bodies avoiding death. It's hard to make us happy, because happiness is pointless, but evolutionarily, fear serves a great as a great motivator. So our body's like, yeah, give me the fear. Where can all that fear come from? Sometimes I feel fear for no reason, like talking to an H-E-B cashier. Yeah. I mean, with happiness, yeah, you get endorphins. Your body's rewarded. Dopamine. That, kind of the same thing. Yeah. Um, there's a chemical response... And you, you get this fleeting moment of, like, everything's nice. Yeah. With fear, you get adrenaline. Mm-hmm. And that causes the body to, like, want to fight or flight. Mm-hmm. And it, it's so easy because the, the easiest... You know you know how you make somebody happy? You have to, like, research them 
You have to like find out, okay, they like flowers, I'm, I'll send them flowers. You yeah. have to put in that effort. You know how to make somebody scared? Literally anything. Pull out a knife. Yeah, pull out a knife. Throw a pumpkin at their Threaten head. Threaten their family. Just S- use words. Scream at them from behind. Yeah. Turn off the lights when they're in a room. Just say boo when they're not expecting it. Yeah. Like, it's so easy to scare people. Text them. Text them a simple lie. <laughs> yeah. Say like, say like oh, your, your car is gone. Yeah. Someone stole your car. Your your car is gone. Or, who was that I saw riding in the backseat of your car when you left? Yeah. Like, it, it's so easy to elicit fear. Now, eliciting fear well in art is hard, but elicit, eliciting fear, period, easy street. Yeah, I mean, look at any horror film as of late. There are few good ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, the good ones are definitely, like, they stand out because they are so good. Yeah. And they're like the witch. And they're like, get out. And hereditary. Hereditary. These these slow, kind of, tension-building, creepy fests. Because we're very easily made afraid. But if something makes us feel a new fear, a nuanced fear, we respect it. Yeah. I kind of want to do that ritual, but it's not feasible. The thing about... So, Bloody Mary's easy, you know? Yeah. It's not time-gated. Mm-hmm. There's not as many instructions. You don't need to wake up at 3.30. With, uh... With this one, it's so specific, and it's so... I don't want to wake up at 3.30. I don't want to do this other stuff. Um, but it would be fascinating to sort of experience it. But I do want to show you real quick. This is just one of them. All of the things in blue, or all of the bullet points, mm-hmm. are different rituals and games. Jesus Christ. I'm not even halfway done yet. Uh, yeah, that's insane. We're maybe maybe a quarter of the way done. At this point, uh, dear listeners, we've seen maybe a hundred. And we're still going? Yep. And we're Stocking still going. Gang, ours gang. Wall, cat scratch. Japanese New Year's ritual. Dark reflection ritual. The libertarian ritual. Water game. Dark reflection. Senorio. Listen to the clock. Sympathy from the devil. Crossroads. Channel infinity. Here's the second page. Jesus. The white kimono game. A lady of spades. Lights out. Knocker fall. Musical chairs alone. Disney mirror ritual. Path to nowhere. Flayed ritual. Love me game. Stranger ritual. Dragon's luck. Telephone game. The compass ritual. Red man game. The the red girl. Bulletproof soul ritual. The joker game. Torsion fields. A date with her. Belial's ritual. I spy. Scapegoat. Oh, scapegoat. Living doll. Dead man tag. Sleepover. Jeez, that's unbelievable. So many rituals and games and like... I, not, I can't even find the write-up for the original Elevator game. Not that I searched that hard, because we had I had all this in front of me. Yeah, that's a smorgasbord. And then someone did a really good uh, write-up of the left-right game, where if you're driving in a car, mm-hmm. you, take a, you take the first left, then yeah. you take the next right, then you take left, right, left, right, until you get to a portal, to a, a road... And the road is full of really creepy, scary things. Oh, boy. But the internet is a great playground for this type of story. It doesn't... These wouldn't work in book format. Mm-hmm. Because 
no one would read it. Yeah, these are interactive. And if not interactive, the the veneer of interactivity, the the fact that people have presumably done these before, that's what gives them their appeal. Also, that left-right game is legit as hell. Because here's one of the scariest fucking things you can do in your life. And I don't believe in anything, but I believe that this is a horrifying thing to do. Leave the city that you're in if you're in a large city. So go to the outskirts. Uh, and what I want you to do is you start driving on a highway and you take an exit. And when you take that exit, and this is late at night, like midnight. I used to do this with people. When you come to, uh, when you go left or right, flip a coin. Heads right, tails left. Whatever it is, you do it. You keep doing that over and over and over again. You will end up in very scary places. Yeah. There was a... I was uh, doing this with a friend of ours in the town we used to live in. And it was about 1.30 in the morning and we kept doing that. We went over train tracks, went into the woods, lights disappeared, houses disappeared, roads became worse... Uh, there was a point when I got maybe the most scared I've ever been in a car, specifically, because okay. I'm sure I've been more scared. Yeah. Uh, but we were driving this dark, dark road that all of a sudden, from the side of this pitch black road, we were just assailed by creatures. What? It was a pack of dogs. A pack? But they exploded out of the woods at us, and I screamed. Oh my god. Yeah, it was a pack of wild dogs that just came out of the woods to harass the car. Oh my god. Yeah. That's fucking insane. It was very scary. There's crazy things out there on the roads. There's way more roads than you can possibly imagine. I've never told this story to anyone. Sounds like a good time for it. My freshman year of college in the town where we met, uh, we, a group, it was me, my roommate, and a girl we had just met, mm -hmm. and we wanted to go stargazing. We thought, leave the city, go find a field somewhere, look up at the stars. Yeah. We drive for what seems like half an hour. We're out in the woods, the weeds... You know, no light. Yeah. Just take a random road, and we drive down that road for a while, maybe weaving in and out of, like, uh, different streets, and we find this field. Mm-hmm. And so we drive up to where the field started, down, like, this drive, park a little to the side of the field, get out, go look at the stars. Stars are beautiful. Yeah. There's so many. Mm -hmm. You wouldn't see this in the city or, or on campus. And we hear a dog barking in the distance. Uh-huh. And then we hear another dog barking in the distance. Uh-huh. And the barking gets closer. Oh, no. And the barking gets closer. Mm hmm And we're like, that dog's going crazy. And it's it's night. It's it's cold. I'm like, maybe we should make our way back to the car. Mm hmm Because, like, it's, something doesn't feel right. Yeah. So we get back to the car... And in the distance, there's a light. We didn't see this before. There's a house at the end of the road where we turned in. Yeah. And standing in the doorway of that house is a woman. Okay. And in her hands is a shotgun. Oh, boy. And she's screaming at us to not leave. Don't leave. Oh, no. No, no. Because she's called the cops. Oh, 
But still, did you leave? The cops show up. Uh Uh-huh. And then enters one of the the scariest moments of my life. A country cop in the middle of nowhere Mm -hmm. thinking, I don't know you kids. Yeah. We're, We're saying, oh, we're from the college. We just want to do some stargazing. We're in the astronomy class and... We didn't think anyone owned this property. And we get a country cop saying everyone, like, all property is owned by somebody. Yeah. And he can't trust us. He doesn't know us from Adam. And he says the phrase, now what am I going to do if I find a dead body in that field? Uh, What am I going to think? You guys are just a bunch of stargazers? uh, that's, uh, That's presuming a lot. On his part. It's like, Jesus Christ, we're freshmen from from the college down the, the street. Yeah. We're not going to dump a fucking body. Yeah, we're not, we're not dumping a body on this person's yard. But my 18-year-old self, little 18-year-old Henry, first year going by that name, is shaken to his core. I go to bed. Uh, he eventually lets us go after taking down our information, our license. He's like, oh, I'm going to run background checks and put you in the system. Yeah. And if anything suspicious pops up, I'm, you know, I'm going to track you down. Then you're like, well, if you find that dead body, you know where to find me. <laughs> I was like, all right, so they're going to find a dead body and this is the end of my life. Like, this yeah. is it. Because that's my luck. Yeah, they're going to find a dead body and you go to prison forever. And that's when we learned that don't just go in the middle of the fucking country. Yeah. Stargazing is tough because you have to find a place that you could reasonably assume belongs to the city because the city doesn't care. Yeah. You have to find a place near like a dam or something. Yeah. But uh, people are so persnickety about their property. They don't want no... This was an overgrown field. This Mm -hmm. wasn't like some pristine... Like, the field was obviously not being used. Yeah. Uh, it's... I really don't like that she was yelling, don't leave. But she had a point, because she didn't want you to be, uh... Because, I mean, if they had to chase you down, then you were going to prison. Yeah. But still, the shotgun is like, I had a gun trained on you. I'm like, we can see that. Please put that the fuck away. Yeah, we don't need the... We don't need the visual aid. Yeah. If you just told us, that's fine. Uh, so speaking of stargazing, believe it or not... Oh, really? I actually do have one more thing that I'd like to talk about. Fitting in with our theme of internet urban legends. Uh, it's something that's on the internet, absolutely. Alright. It's, uh, though it's... It really doesn't fit into the theme at all, but it's something that I've wanted to have the opportunity to talk about for a little while. Alright. So, Henry, are you familiar... With something called the Great Attractor. Is the Great Attractor... Is the Great Attractor what people call me behind my back because I'm so damn magnetic? Uh, almost. So the Great Attractor is something that I will read about off and on. There was a lot of news about the Great Attractor in 2016. Uh, but I'd just like to read uh, to you... An explanation... Well, a description, because there is no explanation for the Great Attractor... Uh, but I would like to tell you about it. Well, let me use my Sherlock Holmes powers. You said this, a lot of stories were popping up in 2016. Mm-hmm. Going through the major uh, list of events that happened in 2016, I'm going to venture a guess at what the Great Attractor is. All right. Is it something political? Not at all. Fuck. All right, you go. 
So speaking of stargazing, uh, and this just comes straight from Wikipedia because I could not find a more bone-chilling version of it. The Great Attractor is an apparent gravitational anomaly in intergalactic space at the center of the local Lanakea supercluster in which the Milky Way is located, the Milky Way our galaxy. In the so-called zone of avoidance that is notoriously difficult to observe, they should say pretty much impossible to observe, invisible wavelengths due to the obscuring effects of our own galactic plane. This anomaly suggests a localized concentration of mass. Are you ready for this? Mass thousands of times more massive than the Milky Way. A mass thousands of times larger than our galaxy. Our galaxy's pretty big, right? Galaxies are very, very big. And this this is a ma one thing. One, You're saying one thing. One single mass. An entity. It is observable by its effects on the motion of galaxies and their associated clusters over a region hundreds of millions of light years across. Is this the... The Great Attractor is moving towards the Shapley Supercluster. I remember a while ago... Am I interrupting the... No. Okay. I remember a while ago there were there was rumblings in the in the news about like a super construct, an alien super construct. That might some be what they of, were talking about. Something some type of massive thing. Mm-hmm. Might be what they were talking about. It it might be. So I wanna tell you about the zone of avoidance. Alright, please, because that sounds like some Superman bullshit. So everyone knows that the Milky Way galaxy is a big spinning spiral. Okay. It's a big, not two-dimensional, but it's a big disc. Yes. So we can look out the top and bottom of that disc very easily. Okay. Because that's where it's at its thinnest. We look through the top and the bottom of the disc. The so, so to put it for our, our fans, yeah. say we're standing in the middle of a waffle. Yes. We can look up and down from the center of the waffle because it's not as thick. Yes. But looking left or right of the waffle, all you see are pockets full of delicious syrup. Yeah, imagine you were in a waffle made effectively of cosmic dust, roughly the size of the Milky Way galaxy. What a good <laughs> metaphor. But you can look up because that's where it's at its thinnest. You can look down because that's where it's at its thinnest. The, the more you want to observe near the plane of our galaxy, the harder it gets because it's denser. There's more stuff out there. So it's like looking through a thicker cloud. Like a thicker waffle. Like a thicker part of the waffle. Anything that is smack dab in the middle of that disc that we try to look at, it's within what's called the zone or the zone of avoidance. Meaning anything out there is effectively impossible to look at. So if you were going to hide your giant alien war cruiser That's... And, and you knew about... What do they call astronomy? Mm -hmm. Astronomy. There you go. You would hide your giant alien warship in that zone of avoidance if at all possible. So, yeah, you would hide in the zone of avoidance because it's nearly impossible to see something there. Now, recent astronomical studies, and this was back in 2016 by a team of South African astrophysicists, revealed a supercluster of galaxies termed the Vela supercluster in the Great Attractor's theorized location. However, 
there is no guarantee that this supercluster is the great attractor. These galaxies in this supercluster, they're all redshifted in accordance with the Hubble flow, indicating that they're receding relative to us and to each other, right? But the variations in their redshift are sufficient to reveal the existence of the anomaly. The variations in these redshifts are known as peculiar velocities and cover a range from positive 700 kilometers per second to negative 700 kilometers per second, depending on the angular deviation of the direction of the great attractor. The Vela Supercluster is not the answer to the mystery. It might be. The Vela Supercluster might be thousands of galaxies all bundled together, which are creating the Great Attractor's Force, but there's no actual answer. Because for all we know, the Great Attractor might be a genuine object of mass thousands of times bigger than the Milky Way galaxy. A genuine inexplicable cosmic horror wait are you talking like a colorado space or something i'm i'm talking about an azathoth situation the is he the eater yeah he's the singer he's got the singy pipes oh he's so he's not the devourer he's the he's the og he's the one at the center of the galaxy the center of the universe is he the one that's slowly creeping toward us to eat us uh, I don't know if that's Azathoth's thing. It Am might I, be. Is that Shugath? I don't know. No, I don't I, remember I don't my Cosmic know, Horrors. I don't, I don't know enough of them. But, uh, chew on that, Henry. The fact that there is a genuine, full-blown Cosmic Horror. Inexplicable! Yeah. That is moving towards a supercluster. And... The force of the great attractor as it moves towards a supercluster, it can rip a galaxy apart. I don't even know what that means. Like a galaxy? Yeah, no, no. <laughs> I know what it physically and literally means. Yeah. I can't imagine it. I can't imagine... Because a galaxy, for the most part, is a contained unit. Yeah. And it's for, for something to tear a contained unit of space apart, it has to be unfathomably large and galaxies will sometimes collide and when they collide they basically spray all of their dust which is suns and planets and solar systems everywhere uh but the great attractor could rip like super clusters of galaxies apart and a super cluster i'm guessing is like a you, you, you might have said it already a bunch of galaxies it's a bunch of gal it's a cluster of galaxies now imagine, if you will, something was able to, I don't know, and we'd all live a thousand lives and die a thousand deaths in the time that this would take to happen, but something could rip the Milky Way apart, separate us from our sun, fling us into space. We would be dead. We'd be dead. Now, I mean, Andromeda is already going to collide with us way after we're not here anymore. Yeah, we're, we're still probably <laughs> going to collide with Andromeda, but think about that. I can't. It's no, like I physic. Everything about space is so fascinating and so horrifying, but because our worldview is limited to this dumb rock that we're on, and humanity hasn't spread from this dumb rock, and we're actively killing the dumb rock. Yeah, I literally can't fathom what that means. It's it's something that 
it it's literally unimaginable. Yeah. Like you cannot it's hard for a human being to imagine what a thousand people look like. Well yeah. Like try to imagine a thousand people. You're probably wrong. All I picture is those pictures from Where's Waldo? <laughs> There's probably a thousand people on that page. Now I mean if you wanted to tell someone, hey, imagine a a contained single mass that's so large it can disrupt the movement of galaxies for hundreds of millions of light years. Don't you mean your mom? God damn it. (laughs) How did you know I was going to say that? I I knew it. (laughs) You knew. I walked right into it. You knew. Oh, Jesus. I've never met your mom. She's probably a very nice giant mass. (laughs) Thousands of times the size of the Milky Way galaxy. I can't imagine one thing being larger than a galaxy, because a galaxy is a lot of things. Yeah, you can't even imagine a galaxy. I can't. Other than in a simplized, spiralized form, Mm -hmm. and the form of the final fight from Garen Logan, where they're (laughs) throwing galaxies like... Yeah. Shuriken. Or the, uh, the space phase from famous video game Spore... Sure, but nobody got that far. Yeah. Can't get past the fucking tribal phase. You're right. It turns into an RTS. Boring. It is. It is uh, boring. Spoiler and spooky. Up. And very spooky. Uh, yeah, so I am a big believer that the scariest thing is space, but the the problem with space, if we want to compare it to the rituals we've talked about, uh, the rituals we've talked about are uh, things that are not demonstrable, uh, probably don't exist. Based on hearsay, very attainable. Yes. Space, objectively true, horrifying beyond belief, unimaginable in scope, but you can't see it. <laughs> I like it. We can observe certain things. We can observe the effects of the unknown. We know that, hey, there might be a giant planet at the edge of our solar system. Maybe there's not. Maybe it's just another dwarf planet. I think they found another dwarf planet recently. We can see the effects of gravity. Yeah. And that, the implications of those effects of gravity. It's like seeing the ripple in the, in the water. Mm-hmm. The bigger the ripple, the bigger the object. Yeah. And what just happened is a fucking Titanic just cannonballed in the pool. Yeah, and the crazy thing about the great attractors we've known about for so long, because astrophysicists look over there, they're like, that's fucked up. Do we know what's causing it? No. Can we make a guess? Kinda. Yeah. We know that only one thing could do that, and it's a single mass, thousands of times the size of our galaxy, but do we know what it actually is? Kind of impossible. It can't, like... Is it a... Could it... Could it fathomably be a planet? Like, a thousand times larger than our galaxy? Well, the problem is that it has the mass of something that is thousands of times the size of our galaxy. It could be one large object that is thousands of times the size of our galaxy. Uh, I think physicists might have to tell you whether or not that would actually be possible. Uh, it might have to be very... Uh, what's the word? If it's like a gas giant, it would have to be so huge to contain that much mass. It could also be a giant rock. Who knows? Just a giant rock. Who knows? It's the great attractor. It's in the zone of avoidance. Deep in the zone. 
My, I mean, my my uneducated guess would be like, oh, can a sun just burn out and just be like a cold, dark, giant mess? But of course, no. They go supernova. Yeah. What if a million suns crashed into each other? Actually, a million suns would be fucking tiny compared to the Great Attractor. Well, I mean, stars can be huge. Yeah, look at beetle geese. Yeah, beetle geese. Beetle juice. Beetle geese? Edelweiss. Oh. What's the name of that monster? Monster Hunter? Monster? Monster Hunter? I don't remember because we stopped playing. Yeah, that game People got... called it Beetlejuice, though. Yeah, that game got hard. Yeah. It's, it's on the PC now. Nice. People are modding it. Now we're talking about video games again. Fuck Frightened Times. Uh, so I think that uh, if I'm... So we elect that thing mayor. Yes. Super attractor to mayor. Super attractor for mayor. And then we have to change some laws because he can't become... He... I shouldn't... It's not gendered. It can't become president. It might be offensive. Okay. <laughs> they. They. Yeah. They might... They couldn't be president because the great attractor was not born here. Yeah, we will have to change some laws because yeah. first it comes gov- first comes mayor, then governor, then comes governor, then comes president in a baby carriage. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it could could it be a senator? Do you have to be born here to be a senator? The wise Ted Cruz, a senator. Boom! Oh! All right, let's. Bring this back to center. Yes. Center of the giant mass. Yeah, bring the mass That back is our to... new god. Yes. Well, I don't know about you, John, but all the frightening things are making me kind of sleepy. Boo! Ah! Ah, Jesus Christ, I'm so tired. <laughs> all this frightening stuff just making me so goddamn tired, John. I need to get some rest if I'm going to pull off this summoning... Yeah, we, we need to... I mean, every Frightened Times we know that... Okay, you can repeat it with me. Yeah. The, the classic four stanza rhyme for the Frightened Times. Every, every fruit... Fr- no, so I say one part, oh, and you say the I second I thought you said part. with you. Yeah, so we'll... we'll okay. We'll, okay. There we go. So... so. No, we're going to. I'm going to say the first part, and I then got, you I, say the second right. part. It's an it's an A B C B rhyming structure, as you remember, as you were taught in uh, in frightened school. Yeah, fr- frightened mentory. <laughs> frightened mentory. Uh, so the first part, of course, is on, on every. Em- okay, so the, I'm going to say the first part, and then you are going to. Yeah, yeah. Say it at the same time as you. No, I'm going to say the first okay. part, then you say the second part separately from gotcha. the first part. You just want me to rhyme the entire time. You already did it. Fuck. So the beginning of it is, On every Frighten's Eve you must put in God all of your trust. (laughs) And when you don't meet the dawn, everyone knows you by your yawn. (laughs) Yeah, everyone knows you by your yawn because when you awake in the shadow side. I thought there was going to be more. I said it's uh I said it's A B C B. Granted, we did A A B B. We did A A B B. I don't know how to. I thought that you said there was gonna be four sets. Okay, we'll do it again. All right, the classic one that everyone knows. Yeah, the four. Is it just four lines? Just four lines. I will try my hardest. So we will start again from exactly the place we left off on. Yeah. Uh, with the place we started yeah. on. So, so okay, but when I'm going to say the first part. Okay. And the first part begins, of course, 
frightening this day you shall eat clams with your favorite gal. <laughs> I'm still not doing it right. It's still going. Okay, so what you have to say is something that does not rhyme. How do I not rhyme? <laughs> you just have to you just have to rhyme once. All right. I okay. got it. I, so, I understand this time. Okay. The very famous Frightened time saying. The, the very famous Frightened time saying. Everyone knows it. It goes like this. When you awake in the room with claws. Pull up your sheet, dear young one. For in the dark, there's nothing good. Except for all of the famous fun. Very good. Everyone knows it. Yeah, everyone knows that one. I really didn't have a lot to say after we did the, the I frightened mean, times. Yeah. After we did the, the frightened... What do you call it when people go around for Christmas? Caroling. Yes. Ossling. Ossling. The, the frightened ossle. The frightened ossle. Also known as the frossle. <laughs> the What's frossle. happening? I feel like it's time for someone to do the scary social menacing media i have no more words <laughs> the word is plugs so here's what we're going to do oh sorry we're going to do the social media now and we're going to do it in a particularly frightening way oh cool so if you want to reach out to us on twitter you can reach us at zcpcwhj on twitter.com which stands for <gasps> that's right and if you want to send us an email an example of a very good email would be <gasps> And you can send that to zero credits as a podcast at gmail.com. Send us your, ah! send us your, Ugh. but please don't send us your. Ooh. And of course you can find us on Facebook by searching zero credits podcast in the Facebook search bar. We are on Spotify or as I like to call it. Spookify. You can find us by searching zero credits, open parenthesis, zero credit, open parenthesis S close parentheses, on Spotify, and you can be one of our 12 listens. We have 40 listens as of last, so I didn't check again. I have to check it every week. We gotta check the metrics. And, most importantly, we are on iTunes. Leave us a review. Leaving good reviews and, and spreading around the iTunes word. One of the best ways people can learn about the podcast, but, most importantly, screams of the mouth are the only way we can opine. So if you go into the street and you find a stranger, you should point your shotgun at them and say, don't leave, don't leave, and force them to listen to zero credits until a friendly country cop shows up. But here's the thing, dear listeners, if I find a dead body out in that field, you think I'm about to believe you're just some podcast listeners? Now let me put down your information so I can send it to my sex cult. And from everyone here from the frightened time sex cult down in the heart of downtown L.A., we want to wish you some good times. Oh, spooky land, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. that was an Cajun oh, voice, but it sure is now. Oh, land, yeah. We can go to school in Cajun time.